Welcome to this week's edition of Gravel Travel. I'm your host, JJ LaRue. Some of uh, my guests and myself had discussions about the fact that because of the cost of, of the motorcycles itself, the people that you find in adventure riding is generally, the crowd is quite a lot older, um, 45 plus years old, because that's the stage in your life where you can afford a lot of these machines that have become incredibly expensive. Um, and not only that, it's also the gear and all the things that go with it. But as time goes on, you meet people like my next guest, who is of a younger generation and is slowly making inroads into that arena. And in this case, um, the I want to say the young, <laughs> the young man that we are chatting today was um, recently took part in a very well-known event, international event, but I'm going to leave him to tell us a story. BJ Fosler, welcome to Gravel Travel. Won't you just give us a brief introduction to yourself? Yes, good afternoon, JJ, and thank you very much for having me on your podcast and on your show. And um, yeah, my name is BJ Fosler. I am 35 years old. I was recently um, very fortunate um, to qualify for Team South Africa and um, compete in the BMW International GS Trophy that was held in New Zealand earlier this year. Yeah, the GS Trophy was actually um, not something that was on my list of things to do when I started motorcycling. I was staying with a friend of mine and I asked him the one Saturday, I said, you know what, Kronier, can you just take me to Donford Motorist at Bosch? And, um, you know, he said, yeah, okay, fine. You know, what do you want to do? I just, I just want to, I don't have anything to do today and you don't have anything to do. And we both like, you like sort of the idea of a motorcycle. So let's just go and have a look. And so uh, he took me there and I told him on the way there, I just want to, I just want to have a look at what's on the floor and, you know, sort of just get a feel. And I, and I knew, you know, it's an expensive sport and, you know, it's sort of, I was still very young at the time or a lot younger than I'm now. Um, and I sort of gauged as to, you know, what, what amount I can spend on my next vehicle. And I was looking at a smaller bike because I was like really unfamiliar to this whole BMW scene. Um, but I really want, I always wanted to own a BMW. So um, I ended up <laughs> signing the papers without riding this bike. And that was sort of where my, um, you know, first adventure sort of into the motorcycling scene started, um, you know, buying my first bike. And the whole idea was to travel and to, you know, just be adventurous and see places and, literally just you know be free have a free spirit i didn't have any anyone um at the time that could sort of keep me at home i had the the privilege of just moving around my own time and you know not telling anyone you know where i'm going or what i'm what i'm going to do and just the idea of being on a motorcycle you know in the wild in the having an adventure of a lifetime was just something at the time that was really something that i wanted to do so I ended up buying the motorcycle and yeah, I just started riding, but I had, had little to none experience of, um, you know, any motorcycle at the time. In 2013, I decided, well, I think I'm ready. I spent about a year on the bike and I think I was ready for my first solo trip. So I packed up my bike and um, I headed off on a 18-day adventure through South Africa. Didn't know where I was going. I didn't plan. 
I didn't know what to pack. So I literally just packed everything that I could onto my adventure. I didn't have panniers at the time. I was so uninformed um, thinking about, thinking back to, to what I packed and what I didn't need at the time. I, I don't think I opened two of my bags um, that I packed full of unnecessary stuff. So a massive learning curve for me. Um, and I set on, um, on this 18-day journey through South Africa. About eight days in, I decided to make a, a stop at my hometown in Loxton. And I got this call from a friend of mine, Philip Malan. And he said, you know what? I see you're on the road. Um, you know, it's, I've been following your trip. And it's strange because we're actually on our way to this event in, uh, I think it was Marcelsport at the time, just outside Bloemfontein. And he said it was called the GS Echo Challenge. At the event, I thought it was like a, there was a few routes that were set out, like you have green and orange and black routes. And it was like a, a really nice event. You enjoy it with a lot of people with the same passion. You ride your bike. And Thursday, we had some really nice outrides. Friday, we had some really nice outrides. And the Saturday, he's like, okay, I think you need to join me. Um, there's a skills challenge the Saturday, and it's open for anyone. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not really skilled, but I'll join you. And we got there, and there was, I think there was about 30 bikes, like all lined up. Like I still had my top box on at the time. And he said, I think you should take your top box off. And I'm like, okay, listen here, what is this all about? He's like, okay, no, this is like, it's a skills challenge, um, you know, where different riders compete against each other and you have to ride in between obstacles and you're not allowed to put your feet down. And, and I'm like, okay, so this is, this is something I'm not, you know, entirely used to. There were all sorts of different obstacles. Um, we had the opportunity to walk the course. And there was like these very tight um, zigzag turns. There was um, logs put down on the ground about three meters, four meters apart um, in like some, some sort of a slalom course. And you'll have uphills and downhills. And it was quite loose. It was like very loose um, sand, some sand patches, rock patches. I just realized, you know what? I've never done this in my life before. This is, this is not something I'm used to, but I'll give it a bash. And um, luckily, I didn't have to go first, and I was like sort of um, overseeing some other riders and see what they do, and it just it, it just looked completely impossible to do. So eventually, I speak to Philip Malan, and he says, "Listen, you know, just take it easy, and you know, just ride the course as best as you can." So I decided, okay, I'm 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 going, and I'm I'm going to give this a shot, and I must have dropped my bike. 10 times. So you'll have this very tight um, uh, figure of eight. I think I, I dropped it twice there. Went uphill, stalled my bike, got stuck um, downhill into this little um, concrete ravine. I stalled the bike and I dropped it there. And what I didn't realize, and I don't know how I missed this, but as you follow the tree line, you would get to this steel seesaw bridge. And this thing at the other end is about a meter above ground and i decided to wait a minute you know what i'm still on this trip i'm definitely gonna come off here and i didn't want to take the risk so i finished the course i stopped my bike and i walked to philip mullen i said philip you know this is just not for me i'm i can't compete against anyone i'm not here to compete i really all i want to do on this gs is travel and travel to different places and 
you know, not drop my bike and I don't want to damage my bike. Thank you. But really, this is not for me. Um, you know, in this, in this journey from 2012 to 2016, I, um, I wrote a lot, but I had a lot of accidents and I just decided, you know, I didn't have any real experience, um, you know, on technical riding and I need to somehow keep myself safe. Was there something specific as a turning point or was it a person or what do you, what do you think it was at the time? Because I actually just wanted to travel. I didn't really want to compete in any technical competition. You know, I, I was never like sort of the competitive type. I really just wanted to do things for, for fun and, you know, for the beauty of the scenery and the adventure. So I think it, I literally just used that as an, you know, if I can say it as an excuse to sort of just better myself at, at being a rider um, and i think when south africa won you know the first trophy and i just followed i literally woke up and i just i wanted to be the first guy to see what they did and where the scores were and what sort of challenges they did and um i was literally that for the for those seven days i was i just couldn't sleep i just couldn't wait for the next um you know the next update for the event and um, stefan Bosov was the he was the media liaison at the time, and you know, he's, you know, reading his stories, you can literally live it through the way that he told it, and that sort of gave me the excitement, um, you know, and the motivation to sort of like, this is really something that I want to do. So, I mean, it's a it's an incredible event, um, you know, to say the least. But that was 2017, so I thought, okay, well, let's give it a bash. I want to try this, and um, you know, through the through some training, uh, I thought, well, okay. You know what? I'm, I'm good enough. I'm gonna give it a bash. And so I tried my first qualifier. I was, I wasn't good enough. I, I thought, well, you know, you put in the hard yards, and you know, you th I thought that I can ride, and I thought I can manage myself, you know, through some technical obstacles and manage the bike fairly well and pick it up when it drops. And I was, <laughs> I, I was just, I was very, I was caught by surprise how, how immensely um i'm gonna say strong rider country we are like there were 20 gs riders from the western cape that i competed against and they were all much better than i was in any way you know and and i thought you know will this be something that will stop me you know you sort of get into that gauge where you feel like yeah, i'll never be good enough so i just decided you know what i'm, I'm gonna have to train harder um, I'm, I'm gonna have to just commit and I decided, well, there's nothing that's going to stop me. I, this is this. I put it on the top of my bucket list that that the GS Trophy was an event that I would tick off one day, and I would not let anything stand in my way. So, tried to qualify in 2017, didn't make it. Um, I followed the um, I, again. I tried in 2018. That for me was like a real start of a bond of a brotherhood and you know sort of just riding and i realized that you know what you don't you don't need a lot if if you have a motorcycle you you get exposed to so many things and you get to, uh, exposed to amazing people that sort of just everybody shared the same passion everybody shares you know the same knowledge everybody's there to get the same fulfillment and you you just ride your bike and it's just you and it's freedom in 2019 was the first time I actually made the the national team, and after an 
incredible event in Dahlstrom, biggest, my biggest ever dream came true. And it's something that I've, I've worked really hard for and I sacrificed a lot. Um, I wrote off two motorcycles in the process and I just didn't want anything to stop me from reaching this goal and qualified for the South African team alongside Kubastron um, and Brandon Grimstead. You know, that was, a, again, it was a start of a, of a really, really new, exciting journey. And we just, yeah, from there, you know, you think you, you think you just keep training and training and training and training. But so now you qualify, and then the training really starts. What did a typical training routine look like? Before, the, I, I had this opportunity to go to country tracks and do the advanced course and spend the day with Jan de Toy and the owner of country tracks. We literally had five of South Africa's top rider instructors over this one weekend. And I mean, I mean, that's unheard of. So, and that opened a whole new world for me. Um, at the time, I mean, obviously you get a little bit of experience along the way and, you know, and I gave, gave it two, two chances already trying to qualify and you, you know, you sort of train and you get fit. Got there, I, they, they literally like honed and just tweaked whatever they need to, to make me or to, to give me the best opportunity and to give it the best shot. So, you know, I realized it's very important that you have the correct, you know, just have the correct people give you the correct um, and write instructions so that you can sort of go back and practice what they taught you. To especially get the basics in place and then from there on you build um, on what you already have. And then you, you use all of these skilled guys to fine tune you. And then, um, like you say, from there you went on to do the advanced course. What did you would you would you spend time on your own? Like, say, if you were riding on a weekend, would you spend time on your own practicing certain things? How much time did you spend um, doing that? I literally from from the time that I qualified for nationals, I trained on an average six days a week: Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Would go to work after work. I'll meet Annelie Zondag. Um, and we would go and ride for an hour and a half or two hours. We you know we found this a few spots that we can train. She was um, she qualified for the Western Cape female team. So you know we and we're also good friends. So we we literally used that opportunity you know to train together. So every every single day from let's say April 2019 towards September 2019, you in the mornings you go and you and you run or you go and and cycle. Um, in the afternoons, you'll meet each other and you'll go and ride your bike and you, you'll just ride cones and you ride cones. And, you know, we, we found this really nice um, spot where there's a lot of trees. So we'll, we'll train until we really smashed and hanging. And then we'll still go and we'll finish. We'll, we always called it the tree course. It took, took us 15 minutes to sort of ride in between the trees. And it was about 15, yeah, 15 minutes for about 50 meters of trees. And they were like, planted three to four meters apart and we'll say like okay so let's see how slow we can do it and it took us about 15 minutes to finish this tree course like literally just every single chance that we got we trained you don't just spend time on the bike you would you would obviously spend time on a physical level as well you would like you say you would run and 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 train uh, with a bicycle so i think it's a good balance between um riding fitness and um, personal fitness. Um, there's a lot of technique. There's a lot of um, um, off the bike challenge challenges that you'll get at at a GS Trophy. So 
you'll get you'll get all sorts of stuff like um, carrying jerry cans or you know running with tires up a hill um, and uh, navigational challenges where you're physically off the bike. So um, personal fitness is is fundamental, and you know the fitter you are, the fitter you'll be mentally. And they and they literally challenge you mentally. You might think that you know you're just riding a bike, but it's a it's a great balance between physical fitness, mental fitness, and rider fitness. It's the, there's a few different exercises, obviously, that they that they can give you, but there is running involved. You think that you're just going to ride a bike? There's definitely so you need to be fit. You need to be fit through throughout. I think as outsiders, we are often. You know, the misconception of that, like you say, people think you just get on the bike and you need to ride between cones or you have to ride certain obstacles. But the fitter you are, the better rider you will be. And not only that, like you say, there's also actual physical challenges like carrying a bike and picking a bike up over and pulling it through water and running up a hill with, with weights and tires and stuff like that. That's correct. Yes. So they'll they'll literally pack out a course for you. Um, they'll ask you to they can ask you to ride your bike for you know through a, a slalom course. Get off the bike, um, run and do some navigational thing. You know, it's it's other other instructors then at the end of the day set out the course for you. So it's a it's a great combination between physical fitness and rider fitness. Um, you you can't separate the two. And like you said, it's the the fitter you are. You know, the clearer your and and yeah, the clearer your um, your mental um, fitness, and it obviously assists your your rider fitness. Like when um, when we when we were riding in in New Zealand, you'll get things like specials. So you'll get to one or two or three specials on the day, and it can be anything. It can be riding. It can be navigational off the bike. It can it can even be uh, a brand knowledge test that we did on on the one day where you're literally sitting in your team. And you are writing a test on brand knowledge. So, um, if you want to take that to the to the GS Trophy event, that's a good combination of a lot of things. Is the GS Trophy is it is it a tough thing to do? Yes, um, it's it's not a walk in the park. Um, it's it, it's an eight day event over two and a half thousand kilometers, um, where you average about three hundred and fifty to four hundred and fifty kilometers a day. It's rough terrain. It's not only flat. It's technical stuff. It's 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 loose, rocky hills, but it's also curvy roads. All like in New Zealand, we were. I mean, it's if we ever travelled New Zealand, there's a speed limit of a hundred. But I think on a regular basis, you only reach like seventy because all roads are curvy. I don't think we ever saw a straight road in New Zealand. So, and I think you can you know take that to to any riding um, experience. The I always say the faster you ride, the tighter you get. Um, it'll be long, like 10 to 12-hour days. So you'll start very early in the morning, um, like wake-up wake calls between um, five average 5 o'clock in the morning, and you'll only get to camp like at, at 6 in the afternoon. There was this one morning where we woke up at half past 4, and we, we literally skipped breakfast so that we could be on time for the ferry in Wellington. And then you'll be like three, four hours on the ferry, and then you still have three to four hours riding after that. So the long days, it tests you, the riding, um, the the terrain tests you, and then in between, you still get the special stages where you obviously have to score your points. 
just just take us through a typical day. So you wake up in the morning and then you jump on your bike and ride, or was it was it varying um, between riding and and all kinds of other exercises? So there was a there was a, a process, a clear process in the mornings where you'll wake up um, on an average, say between five and half past five, you'll you'll um, pitch up, you'll you'll put up your your camp or your tent, you'll pack your bag, and you and you need to drop your bag off at the um, at the truck load spot, um, the teams that sort of started at the end of the days, they loaded the truck um, because they started, you know, last. So after after you sort of um, made up camp, you'll go for breakfast, um, and that's between half past five and six, and then you'll start sort of in your in your gate that you'll start riding for the day. So um, that was sort of the norm: waking up, um, you know, sort of packing up breakfast and then you'll start riding so um, you have like an hour to depending on how early you wake up some people like miss breakfast because they just wanted to get a bit of extra sleep and then you'll get lunch during the day um, they'll have like a lunch stop with a truck that um, provides meals um, provides um, the you know nutrition get some drinks um, and in between where you obviously have a special stage they'll have um, drinks and snacks so like sort of you can just sort of keep yourself going but the days the days get long. I mean, if you have to think, there's 140 riders that was in New Zealand this year. There's 40 countries, so there's a lot of people around, um, and everybody needs to go through the same special stages. So they sort of you have your gates where you start 15 minutes apart, but eventually there's going to be some bottle bottleneck, and and that sort of that's where you you lose a bit of time. So the days gets it gets very long. Um, and then obviously the terrain and, and you ride amongst other groups and everybody helps everyone. If, if there's someone in front of you who's not part of your group and he needs assistance, you will stop and you will help um, because it's not about, like you will hear this often, it's not about the trophy. It's not about winning the trophy. The event is a, it's a camaraderie event. It's, you know, you're there, you're sharing the same passion. You're just, you're riding with a bunch of mates that you've met um, and 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 you just you want to enjoy this and you want to take in this people forget to enjoy the GS trophy like if you if you fit you're already there you already won you know that's that's not part of the like sort of the the main goal and the main aim is not to win the trophy yes everybody like sort of wants to do well but the event being there you already you know you're already a winner so i mean there, there must be quite an incredible feeling you know quite an energy there um I would imagine something not quite the Dakar, but a similar kind of thing where you you pack up every morning and then you have to pitch again at night. Yes, same 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 bases as as the Dakar. So you know you have you have obviously you have the liaisons, what they call in the Dakar, they call it the liaisons, um, and you sort of have to you have to reach a certain liaison, so, you know, so that you can um, complete the the route for the day. Where in the GS Trophy you'll start, you'll you'll have a route, but you'll also have a marshal that will guide you on the route, um, and you have to adhere to you know like sort of road safety and road rules. So it's not like you can sort of rush. It's not a race. You can hear this. You hear this often. It's the GS Trophy is not a race, and you do liaisons. You do the special stages, and you get scored, and you end up at what the Dakar called the Bivouac, but the GS Trophy calls it camp. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty much the same. It's not as extreme as the Dakar. I've never done one. I would really, really like to do one one day. That's for sure. That's probably in the next thing on my bucket list. Um, 
but it's it's pretty much the same not as hardcore what so tell us about wh- what happens at night when you get back into camp after a long day ride what 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 would you do then so in some of the some of the days you get to camp and you'll have one last special so it um for like the one day we got to camp it was at a place called Punakaiki Beach and they stopped us and they said okay well just take your jackets off you are going to do your next special and it was a um a rob they call it the rob special um the guys that was they sponsored our some of our gear sleeping bags tents so you have to as a team you have to run up a hill from the beach you have to run up a hill and you have to open your tent and then you have to get so one ride at a time run up this hill go to your tent and then take your sleeping bag out of the bag, get into your sleeping bag with your um, with your gear on until the you know, the marshal will tell you, right, you're good to go. Then you get out and you repack your sleeping bag into the bag and then you run down and you tag your next teammate. So and then like that's like sort of a relay. So that that could happen. It happened twice. So it's, um, it's quite funny actually if you think about it. I mean, you get back to camp and you think, Oh, oh like wow, are we gonna relax now? And then there's this thing. <laughs> exactly yeah so we were we were caught by surprise quite a few times and some some were very very like long days you you'll be on the road for 12 hours and you get to camp and then you get this special stage we had a navigational running challenge like we had to run i think it was like a, a k and a half um find a gps somewhere randomly in a in a wood get the coordinates come back and and like sort of relay the, the message that was on the gps and you would be buggered. You'd be like riding for 12 hours. You're like, it's a long day. You know, it's been a difficult day and there's all sorts of emotions going on. And they're just like, okay, wait, but there's more. So, you know, if you don't get a special when you get into camp at night, you you have the opportunity to sort of settle. Some people would get in earlier, so they have the opportunity to settle, shower, you know, pitch your, pitch your tent, get your camp ready for the night and then, you know, relax. And, you know, there's they, they, they cater really well. It was incredibly well organized you'll have you know the the best camps you'll have the best showers there um we camped every single night so it wasn't like we were lodging um and that gives you the real trophy experience stefan bosov always says yeah if you can't sleep in your rider gear then you're not a real trophy rider which is correct <laughs> because you don't know how tired you are you don't know if you really want to go for a shower afterwards that you like literally just make up your tent and you um, and you go to bed um some people didn't even they didn't even go for for dinner you know they skipped dinner because they were just too tired and um you know from day five you can sort of see that in the camp you know people get really tired you know the emotions are running high some of the scores are tight you know some people make mistakes during the day you know unnecessary stuff and um and then you get the odd person that you know it, it gets quiet and you know the emotions are like just all over the place but yeah then you go for dinner and um, you try to go to bed early enough because it's a early start the next morning. I suppose that's where the real challenge starts, isn't it? Is when you when you start getting tired and, like you say, emotions run high or low for that matter, and you as a team have to kind of step in and and lift your mate and and those around you from from other teams as well as and, and assist them to get through the day and through the competition. Absolutely correct. Yeah. So because because you are like you you start training with your teammates, um, you know, from the day that you qualify, you really you really bond with them. You understand what their needs are. You understand how to manage them when they're not feeling so well. 
you know, I remember we went into Lesotho and we trained there and um, we, I, th- I think my clutch burnt out completely in Lesotho and, you know, we were there as a team. We were, we were four riders with one bike that can't move, can't ride. And we ended up pulling that bike for, I don't know how many kilometers. And Lesotho is not flat. We literally, we, 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 we were dehydrated completely. Um, we had to leave the bike in the mountains and, you know, f- um, went back the next morning. Um, and Stefan made a, made a plan with a clutch and we, we, we managed to ride the bike from there without a clutch lever. So we basically just mangled it a little bit, not mangled it, but we made a plan. And, um, you know, that sort of gave us, I think that gave us the upper hand to like, after that, nothing could get between us. There was obviously there was a lot of emotions, but everybody knew how to react and how to handle that specific person when things get a little bit rowdy and a little bit emotional. So, and that's, and, and I think that's where you sort of technically win. Knowing your, knowing your teammate is fundamental because I think, I think your mental preparation is, 80% of the trophy because you're already there. You're already qualified, so you can ride. So that's that's the least of your problems. But to keep the team together throughout the eight days, I think that's where you sort of, that's where you start. Let's talk about winning the BMW Motorrad International GS Trophy. As South Africa, we've won this in 2016. We've won this in 2018. Um, and I've had the question before, it's like, how much pressure did we have um, from back home? Because this is now the hat-trick year. So just, it wasn't, it wasn't pressure. It was motivation to, to do good. And, you know, there was, there was five plus thousand people that supported us, um, maybe more, that, you know, that, that we know of that supported us throughout this journey. So we, you want to do good and you want to do well. And obviously there's pressure. Um, you know, it's the pressure from you like fifth um, and, and, and you feel like you do, you're doing your best, but, you know, it's just not good enough. So eventually, you know, going into the final day and we knew like, you know what, we first spot, there's a great chance that we can win this. I don't think it's settled in because of the fact that we messed up the first exercise. We we didn't know that we are going to win this right up until they mentioned the team that got second, which was France. And eventually when they and when they announced when they announced that you know Team France was second and we were like um we were like in alliance with each other because because you built this. You built this strategy, and you built this friendship in a team, and you sort of, you sort of have to place yourself there. I mean, it's a feeling that I will never be able to. I, I still watch the videos, you know, in the evening, um, and just sort of see was this real? Because it was so close that it was, it was just too close for comfort. I, I, I can't, I can't explain the feeling more than just saying that it was, it was by far the, the best experience after. Three years plus of you know just not giving up, um, you know just staying motivated. It's a yeah, it's a very difficult. Oh, you'll have to ask me this question again just to like sort of work it through. But 
incredible incredible experience in- incredible to know that you know that you could after so long just keep bashing at it keep keep training keep staying motivated you know work with a work with a great team and then just still enjoy the event um, and then came came out at top at the top it's um unbelievable experience it was so how do you top that where where to from here i mean you win the you 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 work so hard trained so hard to to become a finalist and then eventually make the south african team to be the 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 team that won it the third year in a row the third event in a row and now you you've leveled off on this high so now (laughs) you want to maintain that or or where do you go how do you what what do you have in your sights so i've always had this dream of um, obviously competing in the gs trophy and that's finally realized and it's um, by far the best thing that's ever happened to me on a motorcycle um and i'm not relating this to any travel because travel will still be top of my um top of my to-do list um but i've always always wanted to become a instructor um like i started my journey with instructing in 2009 and 2010 and the one fundamental thing that will forever be with me is i love i love the motivational side of things and i love to see things grow like um you know i'm i studied architecture i'm industrial architect now so the whole thing of just seeing something come from the ground and you know just build on something to become something great or extraordinary i think my next step will be to do whatever i can and engage you know with the people that um that can make this possible is to um, enroll in an instructor's um accreditation program or and i also would like to do a, a tour guide tour guide accreditation program um you know and the ultimate thing is i think the next thing for me is i would like to get back um at the gs trophy also um you know to to maybe do it as uh you know in some sort of a mentor role you know guide others or stay involved you know even if it's with a dealership or whatever stay in, stay involved you know like sort of just motivate other people that you know maybe just starting with this whole gs trophy journey um and you know just sort of make them realize that you know you are here now build on something if you really want this you know you'll make sure that this is this is what you will will do whatever whatever it takes to, to sort of reach that top spot but yeah i would say instructing becoming a bmw credited instructor you know staying part of the family maybe work myself back to the gs trophy if i ever have the opportunity as a um like maybe a mentor or a media liaison or something i really like is also i like to write and i like to talk so um, and then maybe become a marshal, maybe, you know, just stay part of the family. And then, um, yeah, the, the last thing that will probably have like a, a massive bucket list thing for me is to do a Dakar. Um, it's also been a big dream of mine. I've been following that for quite some, some years and, um, yeah, getting to the enduro scene and, um, you know, this like cross country navigation, I think that'll, that'll be, that'll be my best or my next step. It'd be hard to. I can't resist. I have to ask though. <laughs> It'll be hard <laughs> to have to break that affiliation with BMW because they they don't currently have any support in the Dakar. Hey, that that'll be quite a thing, or or is that par for the course? <laughs> yes, yes, and no. Maybe maybe there's a maybe there's a next uh, generation. You know, you never know in the future. Maybe there's a next generation of. Um, of BMW bikes in the Dakar, maybe I can be one of the 
first first few to try that but <laughs> yeah it is a it is a difficult question i mean um you know what i've i've built a family with bmw um there's you know we know the banter between the the different brands and it's it's always good banter and it's 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 good because it's competition and you know what things things can only be be made better if there is competition if there's no competition then you know you you'll forever just go for you know for the one for the one brand because everybody tells you that you know that's that's the best but i always see it as you know what i've got this this incredible relationship with bmw i've i've had i've had seven eight BMWs now, um, you know, I've, I think, I think, um, my, my bike that I use for the trophy is, um, is a great example of resilience. If, if anything, um, I think maybe she taught me that, you know, never give up because I've literally thrown her around and she's never let me down. So, but there's a lot of great brands out there. Um, but you know, it's not, it's not what is the best brand. It's what's the best brand and what's the best bike for you so if if you if you want to decide you know you want to go for something else then yes we know that in the dakar um you know the ktm was built for that yamaha was built for that honda was built for that so why go for something else that you know doesn't that doesn't work or just because you know you're like sort of brand affiliated just go for that brand if i want to finish the dakar i would like to be on the best machine that was made for the job um, you know, uh, people always say, yeah, but BMW is big and it's massive and it's heavy and it can't do this and it can't do that. And you know what, if I have to take this back to where I started, it's not the bike that can't handle it. I think it's the rider that's just unfamiliar or like sort of unfamiliar is probably not the best word, but like, um, uninformed of his own skill because we've done, you know, if I just want to take the, the GS Trophy and the training and the terra- terrain that we rode with, you know, these big adventure bikes, they were made for touring. They weren't made for enduro riding or hard, you know, hard off, off-road off and single track riding. Then I can tell you that, you know what, I think there's a lot of people that's, you know, sort of misinformed because BMW does it, KTM does it, Yamaha does it, Honda does it. You, you know, we all, it's what bikes fits you best. So yeah, it would be hard to break the affiliation. Maybe, maybe I can convince them to build a new Dakar bike, and we can try that in twenty twenty three. BJ, thank you very much. I wish you all the luck, in um, and and hope that all those dreams would come true for you. And I'll be standing on the sideline watching and waving you on for that Dakar um, checkered flag at the end. JJR, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And yeah, thanks again for the time on your on your show. And it was great chatting to you. And yeah, we can only you can only reach the the dreams and the goals that you that you really dream. Eh? If you if you don't dream, those dreams won't realize. So if you put your mind to it and if you put your heart to it, then you know it's not always a monetarial thing, then um, you know what? It will actually work itself out in the end. It's um, don't don't let anyone or anything stop you from reaching your goals and your dreams. It's worked out for you after all, hasn't it? Absolutely, yeah. After a bit of hard work, hard work always pays off. So I'm really fortunate, and um, yeah, I had a lot of lot of great backing from a great, from a lot of great people that's been supportive throughout this whole journey. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, I can't even start to mention them all. I think they know exactly who they are, but um, 
you need great people around you. You need the motivation. Like we needed the motivation in New Zealand from everyone back in South Africa. And um, you know what? At the end of the day, that that's what made us win the trophy was just that people and the support. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, JJ. I'd like to leave this year with this quote from uh, Anthony Bourdain. Travel isn't always pretty. It isn't always comfortable. Sometimes it hurts. It even breaks your heart. But that's okay. The journey changes you. It should change you. It leaves marks on your memory, on your consciousness, on your heart and on your body. You take something with you. Hopefully, you leave something good behind. Just a reminder that if you would like to communicate or get hold of any of our guests on the show, please go into the show notes. You'll find all the relevant information there. You enjoyed this podcast, right? Would you please consider leaving a short review on Apple? It takes less than 60 seconds and it makes a difference in convincing hard-to-get guests. Remember, we are also available on Outcast, Spotify, Google and all other major platforms. Thank you for listening.